guys. Before we get into the show today, we just want to remind you that you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can support us on Patreon. You can email, call, our, or text our safely our hotline. Or, if you'd like to, and you're on YouTube, you can like, you can subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you know when our content's coming. Otherwise, enjoy the show, guys. Explorers, welcome back to the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. We hope that you're well, as always. I am the Colonel. This is Caleb. That never changes, except for when it does. Uh, Caleb, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little less ghostly experiences this week. Um, I mean, we had the run-of-the-mill things things sliding a little bit, things falling a little bit. I did have the backlights come on uh, while I was on the phone. I didn't turn them on or anything like that. They came on on their own. It's always fun. We had a... They were doing a thing this whole week where typically I'm at the front of the bar, and the backlights always are the ones that change. Well, for just one day, it just happened for a couple times, anytime I'd walk into the back room, the lights would go to where <laughs> they were supposed to be on, like and then the, as soon as I would leave, they'd start color changing again. Like the toys in Toy Story. They're trying to be on their best <laughs> behavior. Uh, well, as is become tradition on the show, we've got a couple headlines to get into uh, before we get into the main story. The the missing man of Larimar, the Larrikin that got lost. Yes. Yeah, Patty Moriarty, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is a headline, but I just uh, it's less a full story and more a funny headline, and that's that John Pierce, he's the lawyer for 17 of the Ukrainian Christmas celebrators. For those of you who don't know, we call the insurrection Ukrainian Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, A, because you don't get demonetized, and B, that's actually, it's on the 6th, that's Ukrainian Christmas Eve, and since it was a Russian inside job, it seemed very appropriate. But John Pierce, their lawyer, uh, is currently on a ventilator with COVID-19 because he was an anti-anti- uh, or an avid anti-vaxxer, an anti-anti-vaxxer, is <laughs> an avid anti-vaxxer, uh, and obviously supports a lot of the other nonsense. And now 17 of those political prisoners, I believe as Madison Cawthorn referred to them yesterday, uh, are without legal representation because he's going to die because he's a dumbass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's speaking... beautiful. That means that, that, I hope that includes the QAnon shaman. Speaking of... Uh... Other roller coasters, you're being a political and emotional <laughs> roller coaster. Mine's a literal roller coaster. A uh, roller coaster in Japan got shut down after multiple people got neck and back injuries. Uh, there were at least six cases of fractures. Four were in either the back or the neck. Other two were arms. But it is the Dodonapa coaster in uh, Fuji-Q Highland Park in Japan. This roller coaster goes 112 miles per hour in 1.56 seconds. Well, you, you know what's funny about this is uh, when people talk about Terry and the Plaid series uh, Tesla cars. Yes. Uh, one of the issues in engineering there isn't really how fast can you take the car off, but how fast can you take it off without uh, the G's overwhelming the driver. My dad used to have this buddy that was like a hot rod mechanic. I know mm-hmm. I'm going on a quick tangent. Sorry, guys. But, you know, it's that time of the week. Uh <laughs> He had a buddy that had a, a Chevelle or something, some big muscle car. 
and they'd go up to the airstrip and he would put $20, you know, so the 80s. So he'd put $20 on the dashboard and he'd say, if you can grab it, you can have it. And he would just gun it. And the G-forces would not only keep the $20 on the dashboard, but you wouldn't be able to lift your hands high enough, kind of like being on the Gravitron. Yeah. And I always thought that was funny. It's a fun trick. I would imagine for the YouTubers out there that uh, are watching this or listening to this, I want to see a video. David Dobrik, give us a video. Well, I guess not him anymore. Yeah. But somebody else with a Tesla. David Dobrik would do it and then slam on the brakes halfway through and kill his best friend. Yeah, you're like, isn't that fucking hilarious? <laughs> Whoa, get the camera. He launched out the front windshield. <laughs> okay, well, maybe Marcus Brownlee or somebody, <laughs> but you know, somebody could do a challenge with that because I'm sure with that car you could do the same thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, anyway, back to your killer roller coaster. No, so uh, just one of the big things, this park was already known uh, in the public media because they were the ones out in the middle of the pandemic when uh, amusement parks started opening back up. They're the one that posted the pictures of people on a roller coaster with masks on, and it said, uh, please scream in your hearts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was them. That was the same, uh, uh, Fuji Q. But yeah, they're in trouble. Well, that's, what, that's what we think, that it's actually a much older photo, and it has to do with these people getting yeah. their bones broken. It was like, please, if you're going to break your back, keep it to yourself. Well, that's why they're in trouble. So they did not file uh, these reports to the government quick enough. So they're under under fire for being like, Hey, six people got critically injured on and your you roller coaster. Definitely didn't hurry to tell anybody. And you didn't tell anyone we gotta shut you guys down. And they're like, Yep, that's on us. <laughs> Today they're screaming in their hearts. Uh, speaking of screaming in your hearts, or at least Fire in Paradise, uh, the sequel this year, uh, my second headline is tragic. Sorry, guys. Nothing but bad news for me today. The story's really fun, so it'll make up for it. Uh, currently, all, if you're thinking of hiking Yosemite, getting outside for a while, you can't. Every uh, forest, national forest in California, is currently closed due to wildfires. And that, to me, is wild because I grew up in Arizona. And, uh, you know, like as a teenager, I'd get on my dirt bike with a spark arrestor. And I would go ride around in the woods. Uh, and all of that is national forest. And, like, when you live in the West Coast, most of the land around you is. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of California that's closed. And for, you know, safety reasons, safety yeah. reasons, but that's just bananas. Uh, between that and Ida, you know, the climate change, every day we get a new great example. Fire from the left side, water from the right side. Dude, I think it's really funny that people were like, I'll believe it when I see it. And now it's like happening repeatedly. Every It's like one giant cataclysmic event, weather event. Ends yeah. and another one begins. Ted Cruz was like, I'll believe in climate change when Texas freezes over. And it did. And he's like, I'm going to Mexico. Man, it's really chilly here. I think I'm going <laughs> to go to Mexico. So uh, my, my final headline before we get into the main story today is uh, a Western Michigan couple had to pay their son uh, back for getting rid of his collection. You might think, well, Pokemon cards are a big thing right now. Was it Pokemon cards? Was it comics? Was it records? No. Uh, they what was owe him it, Caleb? $30,441 for getting rid of his pornography collection. <laughs> so uh, he actually did, uh, David Working, he's 43 years old. Yep. Are suing, you are nobody's son at 43 years old. Are suing his parents and won after uh, uh, eight months. He won the lawsuit because he got a divorce, lived with his parents for 10 months, left his porn collection there of films, magazines, and other items, which I think is the <laughs> creepiest thing about this. Especially because you're already talking about porno. Yeah. Usually when it's other items, it's like stuff you don't want to maybe disclose. Like you don't want to embarrass somebody. Yeah. But like, 
maybe their butt plugs or something. Maybe it's just something significantly more, like, it's over the line for whoever was writing this thing. They're like, hey, I can deal with a typical porno mag or maybe the odd dildo. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that one's for your butt, and that one's a tail. <laughs> and those, I'm told, are beads? I don't know. It's other stuff. It's Funko Pops of porn stars. <laughs> Funko Pops should make butt plugs. <laughs> Who you got in today? I got Groot. Um, but this is the thing that really caught my eye. He lived with them for 10 months before he left and moved to my hometown. <laughs> so uh, hopefully if I'm ever back visiting my parents uh, or any family members, I can run into David working and get some of that $30,000 he got for... Suing his parents for porn. Jeez. I hope he spends it on Garfield memorabilia. <laughs> That's his new collection. <laughs> yeah. His Garfield porn. Garfield porn. I mean, there's a lot of it. There there's is. A lot Rule of it. 34. Yeah. Garfield porn. I don't even know that fucking Garfield falls under that. It's like Sonic. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just part of it now. Sonic went from being such a, like, oh. regular video game to being such a weeb, hentai, fuck fest. It's a weird... Sonic got weird. Yeah. yeah. Chris Chan didn't help. No. He's <laughs> not allowed to say that anymore. Can't say that word. Oh, we're already demonetized. It's fine. Oh, no. I just mean in general. You just... <laughs> Chris Chan. If you say it one more time, like Candyman, he'll show up and rape his mom in front of you. Yeah. I'm, don't worry. I'll edit that part out. I might just censor it. So people are just like, Jesus. They'll never censor anything. I'll be like, fucking fuck, 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 fuck. And then it'll bleep. What did he bleep? What couldn't he say? Okay. Anyway... Hope you guys enjoyed that. Those are some fun little stories for the day. But the biggest story, of course, of the day, the one that's in the thumbnail. Yes. We're talking about Patty Moriarty. Patty Moriarty and the disappearance hereof. Yeah. Thereof? Thereof. Yeah. Him of? Hereof. We'd have to be there. I'm not sure. I don't know. We're in there in spirit. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Speaking of spirits, this guy liked to drink beer. He did. Yeah. So did. W before we get too into the story, because it's a fascinating story. It's about a man who's gone missing. Uh, this was recently. Uh, it was 2007. Correct? 2017. Oh, 2017. Missing My mistake. Eye, man. man, I have been looking at the notes wrong this entire time. <laughs> yeah, geez. So this is incredibly recently. I'm yes. Sorry. Yeah, so he uh, goes missing in a town of 12 people. Mm -hmm. 12 people. 11 people now. Yeah, 11 <laughs> people now. They're down to one. There's a guy like somber <laughs> at the sign. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Puts the one back up. Uh, yeah, so the town is Limera. It's in very, very, very northern territory, Australia. It is, yeah. It is um, about 431 kilometers southeast from the capital, uh, Darwin, in North uh, Australia. Yeah. And 158 kilometers, which is 98 uh, miles southeast from Catherine. So which those is the are closest the two... town. Yeah. And it exists where it is because it was built on the railroad in the 40s. And then the railroad dried up, yes. and it was left abandoned out there, and has just sort of been withering away. Because the majority, so the man who went missing, Patty, the star of the show today, he was 70, yes. correct? But that's pretty much the common age of the people in Limera. Uh, they refer to one another as uh, Limerkins? Larrikins. Larrikins, yeah. I'm sorry. Larima, sorry. The, I transposed those in my head. Uh, yeah, they call Larrikins, which again, not to go back to Sonic, but feels a little furryish, you does. know, other kin, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the Larrikins have sort of been slowly dying off. Yeah. They're all pretty old. So there's not a whole lot in the town anymore. There's uh, the Pink Panther, which is the town's pub. It's the zoo. Yeah, dude, it's the town's hotel. Everything. Battleground. store. Court. <laughs> um, jail. Next to the Pink Panther is a camper that holds... Uh, 
an important character that comes, his name's Billy. Uh, Billy Lightcan is what we'll call him throughout here, but he yep. lives right next to the pub. You got about four houses on either side. Then at the south end of town, uh, the pub's on the north end of town, the south end of town, we have Patty's house on one side of the highway. The Stewart Highway goes down the middle. And on the right side of the highway, we have Fran's house. She'll play a big role. It is yeah. also a tea house, the only tea house <laughs> in northern Australia. It's a Devonshire tea house, which is a real weird thing to have there. They've also got meat pies. Yes. Uh, some of the weirdest meat pies, but we'll get into that when we yeah. get more into Fran. And we but, will get into Fran. Yeah. Like you said, uh, Larimo was established in 1941 as a village yeah. in World War II. Uh, it was right along the railroad tracks when they needed to stop and take count of everything. They would just pop up villages, and that one was there to stay. Well, that's like how Wyoming exists. Yeah. You know, like, fun fact about Wyoming is it was, uh, it, so there was a television show about this, a fictionalized show about the campaign known as Hell on Wheels, but Hell on Wheels was the railroad campaign building across uh, Wyoming. Mm hmm and as they would build, they would set down small towns, and sometimes they'd get pulled back up. You know, like a lot of the, like uh, smaller mining towns. It happens with mines too, like Cerro Gordo out in California. Yeah. Um, the ghost town living guy, like that sort of thing. Those towns existed, and sometimes they died. But like Wyoming exists, Cheyenne. Those towns were on the railroad, and they existed because the railroad never went away. So they became the most industrious cities mm. because the railroad was what was bringing everything big, and it came there first. Also, fun fact about Wyoming. I'm just gonna throw some Wyoming facts, <laughs> is that they were the first state to have uh, um, women's suffrage, and they entered into the union with the ability for women to vote several years before women in the rest of the U.S. could vote, and that's because the governor said that he wasn't coming in without his women. And that's because the majority of the state businesses were brothels or bars yeah. or associated businesses, and they were predominantly owned by women. So, way to go, Wyoming. Way to go, Wyoming. Not progressive, just, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Good on the women of Wyoming. <laughs> and they haven't been progressive since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Liz Cheney really em she, you know, embodies that spirit now. So, uh, the pub is called the Pink Panther, and that's because there are multitudes of Pink Panther, either stuffed animals or statues um, or just pictures well, on he, or in or around the bar. He said the, the publican that owns it. He said that when he was naming it, there were, uh, like, a couple other bars that had, like, the basic bar names. Because mm -hmm. Pink Panther's a pretty common bar name. Oh, yeah. And the Pink Panther was popular at the time. Just said, screw it, we'll call it the Pink Panther. And, yeah, there's also, so there's all, as Caleb mentioned, there's all those statues of Pink Panthers. There's also what they call Big Stubby, which... Dude, there's Australia is rife with sexual innuendo, but there's going to be so much in this podcast specifically. Wait till we get to donkey dick pies. <laughs> so, so they have big stubby, which is a just a big beer bottle. It was, you know, one of those stubby beer bottles in the yard, uh, and I like that. That's like the town fountain statue. Yeah. In Laramie, it's like when you when you come in, meet me at big stubby. What's that? Uh, it's the big brown beer bottle. Like it's not even pretty. No. It's just, there's a big brown. brown concrete beer bottle with a white label on it and, and a it's red not top. even like there's not a lot of effort put into it i guess i could put it up behind us right now but it's just kind of like you know it looks like it's made out of cardboard yeah yeah <laughs> um some some interesting facts about the city or the town i guess we can't even call it a city actually now it's referred to as a locality which yeah. is the most polite way to say that nobody lives here i mean it's a it is technically a map. Stop, stop, you know? <laughs> so the reason it was a big thing was because an Australian camp hospital was set up there in World War II. 
Uh, and then the town served as the railhead uh, until the rail line closed in 1976. But since then, there used to be a jail. The jail then got converted and is now Fran's house. Yeah, and I love the story behind that because the the guy, Billy, her ex. Mm-hmm. Billy Lightcan. He's Yeah, Billy Lightcan. So he's the one who turned it into a house. Yes. And he stayed in it. He got arrested one night and stayed in it as a jail cell and then came back, bought it, and turned it into a house that Fran and him would then live in, yeah. Uh, there was a fuel station, but the fuel station burnt down in October of 2009. Well, it just takes one match. So it is no longer a fuel station. It also has been, been converted into someone's house. We made a joke about them changing the 12 to the 11, but do you think there was like a, like a sign that was like, you know, 10,000 days without incident? And then after it burned down, they had to just... One. <laughs> that, or they had one of the highway, like the blue rectangular highway sign that says, like, gas, 98 miles this way. And when the gas station burnt down, a guy just came out and he was like, zzz, 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 and took it down. Um, there was... <laughs> he just wrote next to it in spray paint, nah, mate. <laughs> Not anymore. Um... There is, while well, there isn't a fire station, there is a Northern yeah, Territory... Yeah, no, there's not a fire station. <laughs> there is a, a Northern Territory Fire and Rescue Service Unit station there. Okay. Uh, just in case of car accidents or bush or grass fires. Um, but, not, but not gasoline station yeah. fires. But, well, that, it was after that. Dude, uh, I once, this is a very quick anecdote, but I once had my, my very first car was a... Type 2 Volkswagen van, because look at me, of course it was. Uh, I've been this way my whole life, or maybe it made me. Anyway, it caught on fire once, because that's what they do sometimes. Yeah. And the firehouse that was called is, like, maybe a mile and a half down a road. I could see all the way down. It took them probably 30 minutes to get there. Mm-hmm. Somebody was pooping. Uh, this is the thing. So, the closest fuel stations now are either 76 kilometers north or 100 kilometers south. <laughs> Those are the two closest gas stations. And while that's a funny statistic about how small and barren this town is, it's also important context in the greater framing of his disappearance. Yes. Because this also means that there are like limitations on how far you could get uh, without a lot of preparation. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these people rode quad bikes around town, and it's because they consume a lot less gas. Well, A, they're more convenient, and when you don't have to worry about, you know, licenses and all that stuff. Yes. Like, even back home in Montana, pe- people ride quad bikes all over the place. But it takes a lot less gas. You can get around. You know, it's it makes more sense. You this this is the type of place where you got to keep water at your house. You've got to keep gas at your house. Like, yeah. you have to plan if you're going to go somewhere. I mean, I have the luxury of like point nine miles away from my house, having a gas station and a grocery store. You live behind a strip mall. That's true. <laughs> but there's nothing cool there. It's like a Boost Mobile. There's nothing cool there. It, it's a it's boost still a strip mall. It's a boost mobile. Oh wait, yeah, that strip mall. Never mind. <laughs> There's another strip mall. The one strip mall I'm thinking of is a boost mobile and a halal grocery store that's never open. <laughs> anyway, back to this town that's 90 miles away from a gas station. Yeah, uh, in the 2016 <laughs> census they had 47 people, and then in the August 2018 census they had 11. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal, man. That's a lot of like. Are you getting out of here? Yeah. All right. I understand. Seventy-five percent of your town went from forty people, forty or fifty people to ten, and that's a lot more dramatic than going from fifty thousand to ten thousand. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would feel it would be very noticeable, but you literally have like four people around now. It's uh pretty accurate too to how many people graduated my high school with me and how many of those people graduated college. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we same. had a class of 52 people, about 47 of them graduated <laughs> high school, and I think about 11 of us graduated college. And I think two of the people that graduate college watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, guys. Way to go. But yeah, so this town is a little town with nothing in it. We got a bar that also acts as a, like I said, a zoo, a hotel, a I mean, post office. I mean, 11 people in this yeah. town. It's, that bar is everything. And they're all above the drinking age. There's nobody who's too young. <laughs> the youngest person, I believe, is 50 years old. Yeah, so. So it's like this retirement community at the end of the earth. But, and a big thing about the town with having so uh, such little people Nothing's really out of the ordinary. Everyone has the same routine. They say they don't have weekends because who's going to have time off? There's no one to cover. Oh the yeah, shifts. they live on island time. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like you know, I they function differently. It's not yeah. like they get. They're not saving money to buy a house one day. Yeah, they've already got. They're set. They, yeah. they live in this little room. That's their, where they. Their house costs what eleven thousand dollars. So <laughs> like it's just a different pace of life. It does remind me a lot of like the more rural existence. But most importantly, what it does is it sets us up. For a, uh, not so much a who done it, but a which one of you done it? Which one of y'all done it? <laughs> I found my glasses. So we need to talk about. We talked about the town. Let's talk about the person in the case. And that's Patty Moriarty. Uh, Patty, he was seventy years old. He was <laughs> just a, an ornery bastard. I was. love this guy, dude. So he was a former ranch hand who was born in Ireland, and when he was about nineteen, he. Uh, Moved from Ireland to Australia yeah. and lived in Australia ever since. So he's been here 61 years. And he lived in a house at the southest end of town right across from Fran. And he didn't do much. He uh, didn't do much. Well, <laughs> for a living. That's not what Fran had to say. He Every morning at 9 a.m., he'd hop on his uh, quad bike with his dog. Kelly, Kelly the Kelpie, and head to the Pink Panther because he would do. He was basically a groundskeeper for yeah. the pub. Um, he would go. Well, everybody has to give their tribute, yeah. you know, to the temple. Uh, clean the toilets and they're showers. They're basically monks, like rural Australian monks. They really are. Rake leaves, uh, clean the ute, um, take care of the animals out back. Like I said, this place was fucking wild. Yeah. And instead of getting paid, because what he didn't, he didn't have bills to pay. He didn't have. Yeah, like, he's not. He. Doesn't really have anything to worry about. He's got uh, beer. Yeah. Beer's the only thing he really needs. Uh, the owner of the bar, good old Bob, or uh, Barry, would just yep. hand him a case of, what is it, quadruple X gold? Yep. Uh, and he would drink eight cans. And for those who don't know, quad X gold is like a, it's a real standard ass, like, um, American beers that I could compare it to. It's not, it's like a, it's like a Bud Ice. Because it's not, it's like real piss flavored beer but it's also higher in alcohol content gotcha so like a like a steel reserve it's not quite as heavy as steel reserve gotcha. yeah uh, or as we like to say 211 hammered is the color of your energy yeah no it's not quite as bad as steel reserve or something like that not that high gravity stuff but it's we, uh, close to it we had a coworker that we used to work with where uh he didn't have a car so i would drive him home every night after work i'd stop the gas station he would always get a pack a red pack of marbles and two steel reserves, and then the next day at work, be like, I don't know why I feel so bad. And I'm like, because every night after our nine-hour shift, you go home, smoke a pack of cigarettes, and drink two steel reserves. No wonder you feel bad. <laughs> Your body feels bad. It hurts. But yeah, so uh, Patty would drink eight of these beers and then go about his business. I like that the city, because the town is what it is. So shout out to the Australian did... Uh, 
a what six episode podcast on this case mm-hmm. uh, that we listened to before this, uh, along with other things while we we're doing discovery, and it really is quite good. Uh, there's a lot of interviews with the townspeople. It's a lot about the city and or city. Listen to me, the locality. <laughs> yeah, um, and. I appreciate that because everybody knew everybody, it was like widely known that Patty would drink eight beers a day, never fewer, but very rarely more. Yes. He was on one if he had nine beers. Yeah. But he always had eight beers. He always had eight. Would never have less than eight beers. I appreciate that. Uh, He had two discernible features. One, he had this killer mustache. Yeah. And two, he had a heart condition, which plays (laughs) into the story. Yeah. And it was widely known that he had a heart condition. Um, also, the aforementioned burned-down uh, gas station, that was his house. Yep. <laughs> he lived in the old burned-down gas station, which, like I said, was at the other end of town, so every morning he'd go up, do his stuff, go about his business, sit at the bar, drink his eight beers, and once it got about 6 o'clock, 6.30, he'd either walk or quad bike home, eat dinner, and go to bed, do it the next day. <laughs> Incredible, man. It's so, it's so rural. Yes. Like, it's not unique to the outback. I definitely know people in northern Idaho that live like this, too. Oh, yeah. It's just so rural. I love that he lives in the burned-out gas station. I I brought this up to you when we were in Discovery right before the show, but uh, it reminds me so much of the movie Drowning Mona. Mm -hmm. For those at home that haven't seen it, I really suggest that you do. It's a really great little lighthearted comedy from the early 2000s. It's one of Rhea Perlman's last roles. But it's just the same kind of thing. Like, this person goes missing in a town too small to not know what happened. Uh, Yeah, so Patty's like... A pretty beloved guy around town in general, except for with his nemesis rival, who happens to live right across the street from him, Yep, and that's Fran. Now, he doesn't get along with Fran at all, and the majority of his antics are directed towards Fran, because he was known, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, to be a real ornery bastard. Yes. Uh, Would you like to talk about that a little bit, Caleb? Well, he would just... He he was what the townspeople called a shitster. He was... He was friends with everyone, but because he was friends with everyone, he would rag on everyone. Yeah. And while he saw himself friends with everyone, not everyone saw themselves friends with him. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, he would get... There was probably a reason everyone in this town could have killed him. Yes. But some people were more lighthearted. Some people, like, uh, Barry Sharp, he's the bar owner, or the publican, which we found out is a phrase for a bar owner, which is hilarious. Fully putting that on my business card now. Um, he super liked Barry. Yeah. Barry uh, Patty, his name's Barry. My bad. Yeah. Um, they got along super Fun well. Fun fact, actually. So there's two people. We'll get to Cookie in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are two people named Barry in this town, which means that there's 20%, well, now slightly more than 20% of this town is named Barry. But Barry the Publican. Barry the Publican, he really liked Patty. Um, Patty well, was, of course he did. He drank eight beers at his bar every yeah, day. Yeah, and did all the grounds work. Yeah, and like fixed stuff that needed it. And he did it for eight beers a day. And like one thing that would get on people's nerves, but it would definitely get on Barry's nerves, but he also didn't care, is Patty would be like, hey, I'm going to come by tomorrow and mow the grass, and then not show up the next day. <laughs> and then show up the next day and be like, hey, man, got a little too drunk and just slept all day yesterday. And Barry's like, all right, well... The grass needs mowed still, so just do it. And he's like, okay, yes, and we do it. Yesterday was a nine-beer day. Well, yeah, when you live in a community that small, you don't have the option really to marginalize people very much because it's always going to be there, as we'll get into with their relation, his relationship with Fran. But, like, in general, he's a likable enough guy. I liken it to when you're at work 
or in some cases at school, I guess. But when you're at work and you have to get along with your coworkers, mm-hmm. even if you really, really don't like who they are, it's public decency, it's proper manners, and it makes the world just easier if you get along with them. Yeah. It's kind of how this whole town functions. But there were definitely people that preferred Patty's company to others. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, and he would always do, like, he had a routine. He would stick to the routine. He had a uniform, essentially. He'd wear the same shorts and a tank top yep. and just go about his business. And, yeah, he would he would yell at people sometimes. He would play pranks on people. He would get kind of shitty with people. But everyone genu- genuinely seemed to enjoy his company, except Fran, but we'll get into her later. Uh, but one day, uh, December 16th of 2017, he woke up, he did his, his, did his daily business, he talked to Barry, the owner of the pub, and was like, hey man, uh, I mowed the grass here today, but I need to mow grass at my house, can I come pick up the mower tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, not a problem, if you don't get to it, it's fine, you know where the mower is, you got the keys. He was like, thank you, drank his eight beers, bought a rotisserie chicken from the pub. I love this guy so much. This is how I would go home. Uh, walked his way home, and from what can be gathered, we don't know, because, I mean, he was it wasn't recorded and there was no one else with him. But he walked home, he got home, uh, turned on the stove to make some dumplings to go with those rotisserie chicken, put the rotisserie chicken in the microwave to reheat it, threw his hat on top of the fridge, put his glasses on the table, changed into uh, his underwear, and his tank top instead of his shorts and his tank top. Um, so he put his keys in his wallet on the counter, took his pants off, and that's the last time anyone saw him. Yeah. So Or his dog. Or his dog. His dog that's Kelly really that important went everywhere with him. Yeah. Um, and so people were wondering. Next day, Barry Sharp, the owner of the pub, was like, well, Patty's not here to get the lawnmower. Like, the lawnmower is still here. But, like I said, he had a tendency to say he was going to do something yeah, and then not show up. He could just be up. drunk at home. Yeah. Um, but that was one day. And then the next day came and no one saw no one saw Patty again. And that's when people start getting suspicious. Or Kelly. Or Kelly, his dog. Yeah. Which is, you know, like that's a... To me, people, when they have animals, and especially if the animals go missing as well, it's such a tell. I mean, yeah. we had a whole pop culture built around it in the 50s with Lassie. Yeah. You know, like the idea... People pay attention to people's animals. So, uh, Barry then go to Mark and Karen Rayner, uh, who, they are the youngest people in Larima. They are 50 years old, and they were very good friends. The youngest of the Larrikin. Yeah. Uh, they were super good friends with Patty as well. They lived right next to the pub. Um, well, yeah, they were young and fun. Yeah. You know? They, uh, he would sometimes go over and help them with stuff, being the newest people, or the youngest people in town. Um, he would, they would be regulars at the bar as well, so he'd learn them through there. Well, Barry would go to Mark and Karen and be like, hey, have you guys seen Patty? It's, I haven't seen him in two days. I was wondering if you guys saw him. Is he sick? Is he just not feeling well? Is he at home? And they're like, no, we haven't seen him. So that's when suspicions begin to rise. And Karen is like, well, let's go check his house. So they go to his house. His front door's locked, but that was pretty usual. People usually left their front door locks, but had a side door or back door always open. Sure. There's 11 people, or 12 people in town. <laughs> 11 now. Yeah, <laughs> but you can just come and go. Yeah. So Barry goes around back. He sees that the back door is unlocked, so he opens it, and he's like, Patty, you here? You hear Patty calling out into the house? Uh, he's like, Kelly, are you here? Dog didn't come either. So people are wondering. Barry goes to the front door, unlocks it, lets Mark and Karen in, and they start looking around the house. Well, Karen notices that the chicken is still in the microwave. Uh, the stove, while being off, still has the uneaten dumplings on the stove. 
Uh, he's, she saw what she called his good hat on the fridge, his glasses and wallet and keys on the table. I'm guessing with this guy you could tell the difference between his good hat and his oh, yeah. not good hat. Uh, my, my grandfather uh, had a ton. He worked for Allstate for years. Mm-hmm. And we always said he had a uniform. He always wore khaki pants that were like, you could tell he wore them when he still worked at the insurance agency, but he sold his insurance agency. Um, so they were khaki work pants, but they would always be like, cut at the bottoms and have like burns because he did stained glass or paint or something all over him. An old uh, Allstate polo shirt, a white like undershirt underneath, and an Allstate hat. And you knew it was his good day, like his good one if it was new khaki pants, a newer looking polo shirt, and a cleaner Allstate hat. <laughs> was there his church clothes? Yeah, well, church clothes he wore button up. He, he had <laughs> a whole selection of button ups and ties that he wore to church. To be perfectly but yeah. honest, I've never worn church clothes, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, my church clothes are usually my pajamas because I'm still asleep whenever church is going on. I've worn court clothes, and I would imagine those are the same. Oh, yeah. The church of the Lord. Or the court of the Lord, <laughs> the I guess court, I should court say. Court of the Lord. Um, but once Karen was like, well, he wouldn't... One, he needs his wallet and keys to go anywhere. Two, he's not wearing his glasses. And three... He never goes anywhere without his good hat. Well, yeah, and to set the scene here, everything is here. I mean, yes. this is like arrested development. Like, yeah. his, not to show the actual term, his bike, his quad bike's there, his car, everything except Sweet. him and the dog. <laughs> yes. So uh, Karen turns to Mark and Barry and was like, we need to get out of here. We need to call the cops. That's when she realized something happened. Yeah. Um, which is very, like, dramatic, but also I, I feel like if I went to go check on a friend... Uh, say Bunger. Bunger's probably watching. If I went to Bunger's house and I went in there and, like, his clothes were next to his bed, I'd be like, oh, well, that's pretty typical for Bunger. Or his computer was on Destiny 2. That's why Discord tells me he's been playing Destiny 2 for, like, three and a half months straight. Um, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But then there are other things, like, if I saw this, like, his wallet sitting there, or if I saw uh, his backpack sitting there, I'd be like... His car's here, his backpack's here, his wallet's here. Oh, yeah, there are obvious things. Yeah. Like, there are certain things that... There are uh, sort of, like, private possessions that we all have. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, even, you know, your phone, like, semi-private. But your wallet, your keys, things that... You know, your toothbrush. Like, things that distinctly belong to you. Yeah. And to nobody else. Yeah. And things that you would probably, barring your toothbrush, I guess, have on you at all times. Yeah. You know? Well, like... So, like if you walked into a, if you walked into like, a, uh, I don't know, like a divorced dad's house, and his uh, his anti-vax card was there, and his gun was there, <laughs> you would be like, where the fuck is he? He never leaves home without these things. And it's personal. Like, if someone looked at my stuff and my glasses were sitting there, that would have a whole lot more different Im- implications than if. We checked out your house and your glasses were sitting there because you forget those fuckers all the time. Okay, you wasted two more minutes on this bit just to make fun of my glasses. <laughs> but yeah, so they end up calling the cops. The closest police officer is 80 kilometers away. So it takes <laughs> yeah, a little bit to the get gas there. station. <laughs> he's fueling up and they're like, hey, can you go check out this? Uh, m- there might have been a murder in Laramie. And he's like, where? <laughs> um, um, they call the Catherine Police Department and they're like, hey, we've got, a, we've got an issue up in Laramie. And they're like, where is that? Where is that what? There's a town up there? No, but there was a sheriff that presided over the area, and he was there a couple of times, whether it be, like, uh, disputes between family members or having to help with car accidents, because a lot of tourists would show up, too. Yeah. 
I was off the highway a little bit, and tourists would show up to get like uh, a glimpse into the last, like the last people of a town or small town yeah. live and stuff like that. Yeah, well, because while this crime has been, well, we're going to call it a crime. It's a disappearance that hasn't been solved, but it really does. Everybody's got the vibe that it was a murder, and that's what it feels like. Um, but you know, that crime aside, this was a relatively popular uh, tourist destination because, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a Route 66 thing. It's a roadside attraction. It is kind of this tiny retirement community at the end of the earth. Yeah. You know, it's, it is worth taking some photos of. 1998, I believe it won the Tidy Town Award, <laughs> which was just a town for a clean, small town in Australia. Um, so they won that, and that was a big Do boasting they, you point. You think they win it? They won it because they wind it. You think they won it because they cleaned up all the people in their town? <laughs> we kicked them all out. Now the town's nice and clean. <laughs> They're like, we allow ourselves to litter once a day, which means at any point there's only 11 pieces of trash <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, so um, the cops show up and they do an investigation and they're like, we need to send out a search party. That he's clearly not here. His dog's clearly yeah. not here. And we're surrounded by nothing but Australian Outback. He's got to be here somewhere. Something's got... He, we'll find He him. wandered off. Yeah. Um, so they send out a huge search party. People on foot, helicopters, because, I mean, helicopters are way easier. Um, they look through all the, like, usual suspects, whether it be a snake bite, because a lot of times people wander through the Australian Outback and get bit by a snake yeah. and get poisoned and die. But that doesn't explain Kelly not showing up. Yeah, well, exactly. So that, that's what I was about to say is they're, the thing that immediately to me rules out exposure or, you know, falling down a hole or whatever is the Lassie idea. And yeah. that's that, I mean, at some point somebody would have seen the dog in order for this guy to, for him to be dead and for his dog to be alive is very difficult to believe. He's either, they're either both alive or they're both dead. Yeah. Because if the dog is alive, it's going to come back to town. Or mm -hmm. you're going to find it. You're definitely going to find it. Although it should be made clear that where they are is not Australian outback in the sense that it's like flat, empty dirt. There is grass that grows six foot high here. Yes. And it's everywhere. So you could conceivably sort of wander off, get lost. Uh, they describe it as grass that grows higher than cars mm -hmm. um and you definitely could get lost out in that um i've been in cornfields before and it can be very disorienting that being said it's a bunch of grass so at some point like if you have a helicopter you're going to be able to see a hole in the grass you yeah. know like that's how corn mazes work so like yes and no to the grass being a easy way to hide i think that it's an easy way to get lost but i still think it would be uh, an easy way Maybe easy is overstating it, but it wouldn't be as difficult as finding someone in the Himalayas or something, or even in a holler or something. Like it just seems not nearly as difficult because you're going to leave an impression somewhere. Especially too, because Patty was a well-skilled bushmaster too. Yeah, he lived out there his entire life. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Um, another theory was a sinkhole opened up because. While there was all that grass, it would also leach the nutrients from the soil, making very dry, arid soil and having huge sinkholes. And we're talking like 50 meter, like sinkholes. Yeah, oh yeah, not, yeah. Like, and so there's a theory that he and Kelly fell down in one of those, but they'd found none in the general vicinity. And when that's they not something that pops up. Yeah. You know, it's like a tornado. It's something that you know is coming. Yeah. And this wasn't, you know, plenty of our cases take uh, place in a time where technology maybe worked against solving the case, mm -hmm. this is not. That's this was four years ago. Yeah, you know. So the idea that he disappeared into a sinkhole 
what sinkhole? <laughs> Which one? There's there's also a theory. There's uh, feral hogs, thirty to fifty feral 30 hogs. Thirty to fifty feral hogs in uh, his yard. But no, there there are feral hogs in the outback as well that could um, kill a seventy year old man and a dog and could eat their body. And one of the things that also hurts this is two days before it rained. So if there was evidence of him walking out yeah, two days before away. the search party went out, it rained, so it could have washed away. So that covers all of the natural elements, and we know he just disappeared on the night of the 17th at sometime after 6.30 when he left. Yeah, he was probably drunk. Yeah, he had his eight beers, went home to eat his chicken and dumplings. And he and Kelly disappeared. And he and Kelly disappeared, so we should probably get into it. Yeah. Who or why people would do it. Yeah, exactly. The, the next big question is, well, then who done it? Which one of you done it? We've talked about what happened. We know this man's gone missing. Yes. I don't know exactly why. Could have been Mother Nature, but let's be honest, it probably wasn't. And the general feeling around town was that it was not. Yeah. The general feeling around town was that he's been murdered. And it seems like in all the interviews, the general tone of things, and this is definitely me just saying this, but it feels as though... Everybody kind of knows what happened or what probably happened, and they just don't talk about it. Yeah, well, as we were doing Discovery, I said it reminded me a whole lot of uh, Hot Fuzz, one of my favorite movies. The Cornetto Trilogy by Edgar Wright is one of my favorite movie groups in general, and Hot Fuzz is a small town where a guy who's not from there moves in to be the cop. Murders just keep happening, and everyone's like, oh, well, yeah. what a crazy coincidence. And he's like, these people are clearly getting murdered. And it's like, you didn't see that. She just stabbed herself in the throat with her gardening shears. <laughs> that piece of the church fell down into his open mouth. And uh, come to find out, it's a cult of the original people doing it all for the greater good, getting rid of people that ruin their town. Because they also consistently win, like, a nice small town award. This is just, it is just the plot. Yeah. Of, <laughs> that's, it, it's crazy that this came, like, this was a case years after, like, ten years after the movie came out. Life imitating art. Yeah. Yeah. The hot fuzz came to be. Okay, so we're going to start with the suspects, right? The people in town. Now, not everybody is a suspect. No. Uh, not everybody of the other 11 people is a suspect. There's realistically about six, and that's who we're going to go through now. Uh, Barry Sharp, the publican, one half of the two Barrys in town, the one yes. that actually goes by Barry. So he owns the bar, and there's not a lot of motive for him to have done it. Um, however, this is what really makes it feel like a hitman level, the murder on the bayou one. He's got crocodiles behind that bar because it's also a zoo. Uh, it's a, you know, as we mentioned, so many things. Yes. So disposing of a body there would be pretty easy. Um, and he was a suspect that the police spoke to, but they pretty quickly ruled him out because motive doesn't line up. He had an alibi. And while he's a very knowledgeable guy about the town, the likelihood that he killed him is very low. Yeah, uh, to keep the suspects at the bar, Richard Simpson, uh, he was the bartender at the Pink Panther. And really earned that name. That dude's a dick. Yeah. He did not get along with Patty whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the townsfolk said he was jealous of Patty because Patty was kind of becoming Barry's right-hand man. And again, I would like to point out that while all of this melodrama is playing out, these motherfuckers are in their 60s and 70s. Yes. <laughs> I just really wanted to be clear that these are old people doing this shit. Um, just a few days before Patty went missing, uh, Dick Simpson and <laughs> Patty got in an argument because uh, Patty had Kelly, 
who was a very timid, very shy dog, where Richard had two American German Shepherds who weren't trained and he didn't put on leashes well, or American. anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can't put me on a leash. You can't put me on a leash. And uh, they attacked. Well, they charged towards Kelly. Dogs are like at city council meetings being like, you can't leash me. I won't be leashed. I have rights. But they got in a huge argument over it. Uh, Patty being like, control your control your dogs. Richard being like, your dog needs to stop being a pussy, which I believe is an actual thing he said. Um also, two things that make him a big suspect. He was the last person, or one of the last people to see Patty yep. alive. Patty left the bar at about 6.30 yep. and was never seen again. That and what you said with Barry, well, Barry had access to crocodiles that you could use to dispose of a human and a dog, but Barry had no motive. Richard had motive and access to those crocodiles. He did. The only thing that he would have had to have done is stored the body I presume, again, Hitman-like, in a locker. Yeah, uh, where no one could find it. Or one of those inexplicable hamper boxes that's just everywhere. They're just everywhere. Uh, because you'd have to, you know, then take it and mm-hmm. drop it off. And he was working at the time. Oh, yeah. And while I've seen some bartenders do remarkable things on a five-minute break, murdering a person <laughs> I don't think is one of them. I can't prove that it's not one of them, but I don't think it's one of them. I don't know. I think that guy was an asshole. Um, and I think he and Patty didn't get along. But as we'll go down this list, we talked about how beloved Patty was. This list is going to expose um, every which way in which he was not beloved. Yes. <laughs> and every which way in which he made himself an enemy. So I also, as a bartender, understand where Richard's probably coming from. Uh, I would probably fucking hate this guy, too, if he came in every day had eight to ten beers and kissed the owner's ass, he'd probably be annoying. Yeah, yeah probably. He's prob- They probably fight over stuff. And with how Patty inserted himself into the business as like a nosy regular, any bar person can tell you that a nosy regular will sit there and try to train your bar backs if you let them. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if Richard was like, I've had enough of this fucking brick. Yeah. Yeah. But my question with Richard isn't, uh, did he... Like, did he kill him, but could he have killed him? I don't know when he would have killed him. Yeah, he definitely didn't have an opportunity to kill him, but yeah. he but, did seem to have motive. Yeah, I legitimately think if he yeah. could have, I think if you would have walked up to Dick Simpson and you're like, hey, I got a way you can kill this guy, you won't get caught, I got a place you can put the body, he'd be like, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a smoke break. <laughs> I've had enough of Patty. So yeah, Patty's a beloved, but also kind of hated guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got uh, Billy Lightcan, uh, everybody's favorite, Billy Hodgetts. So that's Fran's ex-husband. He's the guy who spent a night in the drunk tank and then bought the drunk tank, yeah. renovated the drunk tank, moved Fran in with him, and then eventually got kicked out of the drunk tank. Well, when we were talking earlier about like not having bills and things, not like saving up to buy a house or anything, so like you said, he bought the jail, converted it from a jail to a house, lived there with Fran, and then once him and Fran split, she kicked him out and bought his half of the house. $20,000. <laughs> his half of the house was $20,000. Yeah. These are Detroit prices. Yeah, but uh, the the story of him spending the night in jail is really funny. He didn't. He got way too drunk. Dude, I love it. Can I tell it? Yeah, go ahead. So much. So he got drunk. He like drinks to passing out, wakes up in the jail cell, just 
so he was a trucker, and he used to drive through town, and or as they call them, truckies. And he yes. was driving a refrigerator truck, or as it's called, a reefer truck. <laughs> he gets blackout fucking drunk in this town. Which they call Wibbly Wobbly. <laughs> Just keep <laughs> going. <laughs> and he ends up in the drunk tape, which they call home. Uh, and he wakes up fucking irate, because... At first, he doesn't realize where he is, but all he can think, and God bless him, it does show how much he drinks on the job, mm. but God bless him that his first thought was, oh shit, the truck, the food in the truck. His first thought was, oh, that food's all going to thaw out. I'm going to get fucking fired. And I appreciate that, but like I said, as somebody who's employed people who drink, that's a real, I drink too much at work red flag. Mm. If you were, if your immediate thought isn't, holy fuck, was I drunk, but instead was, holy oh, the frozen fuck. meat in the truck. <laughs> yeah, that means that your first priority is not that you fucked up by being drunk so he turns to the cops and he's like cops let me the fuck out of here i gotta get to my truck i gotta get out of here. and they turn around and they go hey idiot the uh the door's unlocked yeah they're like just push on the door <laughs> and he pushes on the door and leaves and he's like ah, and it just keeps driving <laughs> anyway so that guy eventually bought the place and yes. lost it to fram um and he i mean to us really isn't a suspect he got along super close with patty patty was close to billy and fran but when they Split up. He took Billy's side, uh, and he was really good friends with Billy. Billy lived ever since he got kicked out of the house in a camper right next to the Pink Panther. That he had a direct line of sight of Fran's house and Patty's house. Yeah, because so Pink Panthers up here, their houses are here. His trailer was like here, so uh, he can just see everything. He also said the reason he moved his camper there is because he knew that anytime Fran looked out her kitchen window, he'd see him, and he knew he hated or she would hate that. <laughs> Dude, they're such a vindictive group of fucking 60 year olds man they are mean to each other uh everyone in town likes billy like can except fran yeah um yeah which and that'll play into fran's character when we get to her yeah billy by all accounts was just looked into because of his proximity to both the victim and as we'll get to the primary suspect um but i don't think he did it he seemed like a really nice guy he's he's very difficult to uh understand when he speaks he's one of the oldest people in town and he also uh unfortunately it was mouth cancer had, he had mouth cancer so he had to get his jaw replaced with part of his hip bone yeah uh, and part of his tongue cut out yeah so listen listening to his interviews i really do suggest there it's it's i'm not saying this in a patronizing way it's very uh interesting and fun to listen to yeah. someone who speaks that differently. Also, with his accent, you're going to understand maybe 10% of what he says. Well, with the whole Hot fud, Fuzz connection, there is the old farmer in Hot Fuzz where they go out. Oh, there is! When they, when they t <laughs> uh, take all of his weapons because he doesn't have permits for it. Yeah. And they're like, do you have permits for all these weapons? And he's like, and they're like, I don't. And they have the cop that speaks the same way, and they're just standing there, and they're both like, Boomhauer is what it is. Officer Billy Light Can Boomhauer. All right. Next, we have the Roths. Yes, Bobby and Carl Roth. They were the second to newest people in the were Yeah, they were the freshest in town. Like, moved residents. Yes. They are nicknamed the Destroyers. Which is so gnarly. Uh, the reason they're nicknamed the Destroyers is because uh, they were the newest people in, and when they moved in, um, Carl started renovating his house and making it like super gaudy, making it super expensive. Yeah, they were widely seen as like gentrifiers. Yeah. Which, uh, if you haven't gotten the message by now, this little town likes things exactly how they are. Yeah. Um, they were the founders and only members of the Homeowners Association. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's enough to hate somebody. Like, we're going to start the Lawn Snitch organization. And uh, one time, one of the buffaloes that belonged to the zoo behind the pub 
wandered out of its enclosure, got too close to their house, and they shot it and ate it. Yeah, which is just barbaric. And just this the antics of this small town yeah. are absolutely wild. You know? um, but yeah, so they were widely seen as like... People, I think the the Lyricans sort of accept the fate of Larimar, and they don't really want to see it change. They kind of want to ride it into the sunset. Like, everybody there is old enough, right? Yeah. So the idea that these... They die, the town dies with them. Yeah, these new people show up, and rather than showing up to retire, too, they're like, no, we're going to build a casino. Like, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? Um, Did you know you don't mow your lawn right? You've lived here for six days. <laughs> I'm wearing my underwear. <laughs> Dude, we don't even wear pants in this community. <laughs> Fuck off with the mowing the yard shit. Uh, they very much dislike Patty. Uh, well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> they called him an obnoxious and annoying drunk. He was. Uh, a stain on the town. <laughs> that stuff part's like unfair. That. Um, and a stain on his underwear, maybe. Bobby also used to work for Fran. Uh, was a dishwasher for Fran. Got pretty close with Fran. That also makes them suspicious of not liking Patty and being close to another huge suspect. Who's, you know, like, I don't know, Fran, there's a lot of arrows pointing towards Fran. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Carl, the husband, owned uh, multiple guns, was an outdoorsman. Um, and the night that Patty disappeared, gunshots were heard. And that night. the gunshot thing is an interesting coincidence because the only other time there's been anything like this in the area in the 1930s, I think it was 36? Yes. There was a murder right down the railway, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of a similar situation in that middle of the night, person wandered off, and then they were found with a, just a bullet right between their eyes uh, and nothing else. Yeah, but, and no investigation was done. Yeah. They just like, that guy's murdered? Yep. <laughs> oh, we got a dead fella. Better because you know that there, there are there's even then you know there were constraints to yeah how many resources could be sent out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shouldn't we do something about it? Why it's not going to bring them back? Go back to work. <laughs> yes. It's the the Ford the Henry Ford approach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you know the idea that he had guns and that gunshots were heard that night. Obviously, the body's never been found. And because it hasn't been found, while well, we talked about the grass thing, you know, to me, it really just feels like it's been hidden. Yeah. Like, the only way for this body at this point to not have been found is because it's not there, you know? Like, not to sound too obvious about it, but yeah. it just, it's, it's in a body box or something. And, you know, the police did search through some things. Uh, when we get to Fran, we'll talk about them searching her home and all of that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so the destroyers were not well-liked people, the Rothbro. No. Um, last one, not really a suspect, but he made himself a suspect for no reason. <laughs> Our board, Cookie. So Cookie's the guy we were talking about at the beginning. Uh, he's the other Barry. He's also the guy who I referenced when I said I'm in my underpants, because Cookie has uh, been known to pretty much just wear his chonies. That's all yep. he really walks around in, because it's hot as the dickens, and I understand that. Uh, but Cookie is a, man, he's a special boy. He's, uh, we haven't brought this fact up yet, but the Pink Panther has banned, is it? All 11 of the people? Uh, I believe it's seven out of the 11 people that live in town are banned, <laughs> banned. from the Pink Panther for different reasons. Uh, like, it's a spiteful little town, man. It is. Um, some people just, while they are banned, they're like, I'm not banned. I just don't like going because it's a distasteful place. It's the only bar in town. Come yeah. on. And yeah, it is a distasteful place. Uh, in one of the interviews we heard, uh, they reference a snake just coming through one night, just coming right through the floor, mm -hmm. which, I mean, when I worked in Hong Kong, 
we had all kinds of crazy shit that come through. I get it. So you open your door, it's just what's outside. Uh, but he was banned from the bar <laughs> for supposedly stealing candy. Because like I said, it's also the general store of the town. They have a dimly lit corner of the bar that is the general store. Dude, could you imagine if the only place you could go to shop was the bodega inside the crocodile zoo bar? <laughs> but not a lot of people shop there. Uh, no, no shit. <laughs> there, when uh, the Australian went to do their investigation slash podcast about it, they looked at the thing. It was a ton of candy, ton of chips. And 17 canned foods. <laughs> 14 of those 17 had canned asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked, and uh, Barry's That's like, a whole different conspiracy. Not a lot of people shop from there. Like, they'll get a snack, but. <laughs> this town feels like the Dharma Initiative operates it. <laughs> uh, but the reason we said he, one, says he didn't steal from the pub. Uh, yeah. Diabetic. Yeah, he his alibi is that he has sugar diabetes. He's like, yes. I got sugar diabetes. Why would I steal candy? Well, because you're not supposed to have it. So if you get caught buying it, somebody's going to judge you. But if you steal it, no one will know. Yeah, that's probably why. Um, but he made himself a suspect because when interviewed by police, <laughs> he said, I, uh, I didn't do it. I, I could have killed him if I wanted to, but I promise I didn't. <laughs> It's like handing somebody food and being like, there's definitely nothing weird in there. I could have poisoned this if I wanted to. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> I could have spit in this. Did you know that? I could have. I could have. Hey, what the fuck, man? You think he did that just because he likes the attention? Well, he's probably just an old dude who thinks he's tough, like tough shit. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I could have killed him. I killed plenty of people in the war. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and the end of that story is fucking everyone applauded. Yeah. Yeah. I got exactly. two purple hearts. In a case like this, you can't be too careful. There's obviously going to be a lot of different um, possible suspects. Yeah. But let's be perfectly honest. All of the evidence, the circumstantial evidence at least, and the stories all point towards one person, and that's the person we've been talking about all podcast, and that's Fran Hodgetts. 100%. And by that virtue, with the help of Owen Laurie. Yes. Why don't you tell them about Owen and Fran? So, Owen Laurie, he was the newest person to town. Not the youngest. Not the youngest. The he was 71 years old. He was a retiree. Uh, and he moved to town. And as soon as he got to town, he was like, hey, I need a place to live. Can someone offer me a place to live? And Fran was like, well, if you basically be my groundskeeper, you can live at my house. And she says he was super respectful, uh, but very weird and very off. Never really left her house. Um, Barry and Dick, the owner and bartender of the Pink Panther, uh, said they couldn't even identify him if he were to walk in the door right then. Um, Which uh, no one know, in town really knew the man. And uh, in town, of he is one of twelve people. Which yeah. means that of the twelve people, if you line up, to, if this was a fucking jubilee video, and we lined up twelve people, one of them is Owen. You know, and nobody's yeah. going to be able to figure it out. Nobody knows who this fucking guy is. He, there's no way. He's basically like a manslave for this woman. Yes. Yeah. He's uh, a houseboy. He, he will help her with the kitchen stuff. He will help her with... His main job is rehabilitating her garden. Um, because, like we said... Oh, 
Yeah, we'll just get into Patty it. Patty likes playing pranks. <laughs> he poisoned Fran's garden multiple times. Yeah, this is as we talk about Fran, this whole section is going to be rife with funny shit. But it's also going to put Patty in a slightly different light. So yes. we went over how a couple of people in town might not like him for this, that, the other. He's, oh, he's a loud jerk. and he's That's because he was a loud jerk, actually. Yeah. And if you found it charming, he was your friend. And if you don't, he wasn't. And if you were his target, like Fran was... Uh, every single day of every single week, it might start to grate on you. Yes. And uh, what other than poisoning her garden did he do? Well, so uh, Fran and Patty at one point were friends when Fran and Billy Lightcan were married. But when they got divorced and she kicked Billy Lightcan out of the house, Billy and Patty remained being friends. And that is when Fran believes that this vindic- uh, like vindictive nature against her sparked. See, but I think Fran's always been disliked because it seems like the people in town don't like her. She goes out of her way, so she makes meat pies that are heavily criticized. Even the reporter for The Australian agreed that she makes bad meat pies. Yes. And she freezes them, so when you have to heat them back up, they're all soggy because of all the trapped moisture. And uh, as Billy put it, the ass falls out of them. Mm -hmm. Everyone in town agrees that her meat pies suck, that what she does sucks, that she's not any good at it, and that she's very pushy about it. She's very mean. You can look up uh, her Devonshire Tea House. Uh, There are reviews for it where people are like, she scared my kids. Yeah. Uh, we sat down. She refused to, like, we couldn't order water. We couldn't use the bathroom. Like, this we place is fully out order. of kitchen nightmares. Yeah. We tried to order, but she just kind of gave us whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, we asked for coffee, but she said she wouldn't give us a coffee if we also didn't order a tea. And the people at the Pink Panther are allegedly the uncivilized people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't put prices for her meat pies, so someone will go in. She's very, she's like, That's my, why she doesn't have to give you a refund if she can tell you're going to dislike yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, my pies are the the first pies in the Northern Territory. They're the best pies. She's the first person to do buffalo, camel, and crocodile. People are like, that doesn't mean they're good. Her pies aren't good. People have said her pies aren't good. Her service is even worse. And the town actively just disliked her for her candor and her pies. And Patty was like the brunt of that. Like he he was happy to take on the sigil of the town. Yes. And be like, listen lady, we don't like you. He would stand outside in the street and tell people not to go get her pies. Well, yeah, he would he, be like, go down the street, go over there. So his house was right across the street from uh, <laughs> Fran's tea house. Mm-hmm. And people would park on his side of the highway to walk over there and he'd go out and he's like, hey, uh, you can't park in front of my house. And also if you're going there, don't, they're expensive. She's a bitch. She actually called her a bush pig multiple (laughs) times. He'd say, ah, she's just a fucking bush pig. Don't go there. She's gonna charge you 14 to $17 for a shitty pie (laughs) when you can just go to the Pink Panther. (laughs) And get some canned asparagus for like three bucks. No, so the Pink Panther started serving meat pies. (laughs) They served them uh, for five bucks. And they were actually pretty good. This town just feels like uh, the Magnificent Seven if the villain was a Karen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Um, we gotta rally and protect the town. But Patty did all sorts of things to Fran. Uh, He, on multiple occasions, she believed he cut the wires to her security cameras. She had CCTV uh, security cameras that he supposedly cut. Like I said, he would mix oil into the soil of her garden. Um, to poison it, he put pesticides on her, like, $5,000 palms that were in her garden. Um, then we get into the more nefarious things, like, 
taking a picture of her, clipping it out of a newspaper, smearing his own shit on it, and slipping it under her door. Or, you know, the two dead kangaroos uh-huh. that he stuffed in her house. So, uh, if you're from the Midwest, you know that deer being hit on the side of the road is a super common thing. Australia has the same thing, but they're fucking kangaroos. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, on multiple kill. occasions, he would pick up a dead kangaroo from the side of the road and either throw it over a fence, or one time he stuck the ass of a dead kangaroo into the vent of her ovens. Like I said, she owned this tea shop. Every morning she would wake up, turn on the ovens to make meat pies, but he shoved this dead roadkill kangaroo ass into the pipe, and so her whole house smelled like dead kangaroo ass. But the funny thing is it probably made her pies taste better. Uh, and then there was this other time that, while well, he was pretty mad at her, uh, <clears throat> speaking of roadkill, there was a donkey that had been hit, and he decided, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give her a review of her pies. And he um, he sliced the dick clean off that donkey, and he swung it around, I assume, and threw it on her driveway. That part's true. And ever since then, they've called her pies, Donkey, donkey Dick, dick pies. pies. The entire <laughs> town. The entire town. And you know what's funny is her response to it was like, they call him Donkey Dick Pies because he once threw a donkey's dick on my driveway. No, he threw a donkey's dick on your driveway because your pies taste like shit. We were joking earlier. (laughs) Like kangaroo ass. I made the kangaroo ass. He took a kangaroo's ass. It was not even just a dead kangaroo. He made sure it was the ass, and he put it in the oven. He also supposedly took a uh, roadkill. This is a seventy-year-old man. He also throwing donkey dicks. Supposedly took a uh, roadkill raccoon and propped it up to be staring into her bedroom window, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. It's really funny. Uh, But no, we were joking earlier. It's like she's like. The entire town calls my pies donkey dick pies because he threw a donkey dick at my house. And just like one of the townspeople going, he threw a donkey dick at your house? That's not why we call him donkey dick pies. No. Oh shit, I just thought they tasted bad. But uh, but Barry, um, the owner of the bar, was like, dude was relentless against Fran, but we all thought it was fucking hilarious. Well yeah, but Barry like, it's awesome because he owns the bar, which means he owns the newspaper. Yes. So... Every week he's going to come in and be like, you would not believe what I did to her this week. So he said every day on Sunday, Patty would come in. You used your own shit? Patty would come in and say what he did to her that week, and everyone in the bar would just laugh until they cried. This story reminds me so much. Do you know Ken Rex McElroy? Mm -hmm. The guy, yeah, who got shot by the town... This feels like the complete opposite. Yeah. This feels like the hero who terrorized one woman uh, was vilified and murdered. It's a shame. 100%. And, like, so many things he did to this woman to the point where she even went and got a restraining order. tried to she get tried a restraining, to get a restraining order. order, yeah. So they drove all the way 120-some kilometers uh, to the big town, and she tried to take a restraining order out on him. The thing the town didn't back her up on this was because when her and Billy Lightcan got divorced, she also tried to get a restraining order on him. And the paperwork in the court case, because not a lot of things happen when one person goes to court, kind of everyone yeah, goes to court. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, there's 12 people on a jury, so if you went to court there, they yeah. couldn't have a whole jury. Yeah. Um, it's like cars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were like... the. One even one person even was like, 
I think she just filed the same paperwork twice, just changed the name. Like, all of the things she accused her ex-husband of doing, she also accused Patty of doing. Yeah. And so the court said, don't have any evidence, called Patty to the stand and was like, did you do any of these things? And he's like, no. (laughs) They're like, well, we have no evidence that he did it. And he just told us he didn't do it, so we're not going to give you a restraining order. Even though she was on the, like, brink of tears the entire time. She was quoted in saying... put a kangaroo's ass in my oven! She quoted saying, I just want this mongrel out of my life. Ooh, that's a, that's a very, like, racist sounding yeah. term, yeah. Mongrel's just a desert dog, but it does seem real racist. Nah, yeah. Uh, desert dog sounds racist. That's true. Diamond dog. <laughs> Dallas <Yeah>. Page. <laughs> Is a hero. Uh, but he just didn't like her. She didn't like him. And everyone knew that was a fact. Sure. Which is why she became suspect number one. Yeah, so she, I mean, these two went at it every single fucking day. He was messing with her, doing, honestly, some of the cruelest but funniest pranks to this woman. And obviously she was not popular in town. The guy who was staying with her, Owen, never went to town. That indicates to me that they didn't socialize very much. Very isolated. And obviously there's a picture being painted here of a woman who's crying marginalization, but is actually just being a total fucking asshole. Yeah. So... The idea that she is probably responsible, that ties into entitlement, right? So this idea that she's entitled to him being dead or she's entitled to harming him because he does this. Now, she has said repeatedly that she doesn't, uh, I think she said, if, you know, he poisons six of my plants, I'll buy 12 more. Her idea was that I'll kill him with kindness. Well, I shouldn't say that, I guess. But was that she she didn't believe in retribution. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't believe in retaliation. She believes that he stole. Well, he declines it. Stole uh, her umbrella that was outside of her house. He was like, "No, I didn't steal it." But she goes, "You know what I did? I bought three umbrellas. Yeah. That way, if he wants to steal one, he can have one. I can have one, and I can have a backup." Yeah. So, uh, but Bobby Roth, the person that used to the the woman that used to be one of the destroyers, dishwashers, one of the yeah. destroyers, said on multiple occasions. Friend would be like, see him walking down the street and be like, I'm going to kill that man. Yeah, well, because I don't believe for a second. You can say all you want. You can act magnanimous if you want. But the Yelp reviews to the everything else indicate to me that you are not a fucking kind, magnanimous person who doesn't believe in retribution. You make children cry when people order the wrong thing in your shitty little tea house. Yeah. I have a hard time believe that believing that that entitlement and temper wouldn't extend... To somebody you really didn't like. So, Fran gets under investigation. She was one of the main suspects in a thorough investigation. Yeah, they went through her septic tank. They went through everything. They made sure there was no trace of him. Those ovens that she cooked the shitty meat pies in could get hot enough to render down a body. So, they tested those for uh, DNA evidence. Nothing came back positive, but as we know with the tuna case, with Subway, when you cook meat, it changes a whole lot. Yeah, it denatures the proteins, which means that they might not be identifiable anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Her septic tank was gone through. Uh, They kept coming back multiple times. She was very much like, they're ruining my business because every every so often they'll just show up. Yeah, they're ruining your business, lady. Um, When she was interviewed... Maybe it's your shitty pies that the ass fall out of. Uh, when she was interviewed by police, uh, the investigator said, how many times have you said, I'm going to murder him? And this was Fran's response. Fucking million, millions, millions of times. 
But she quickly added, I'm riddled with our arthritis. Imagine me carrying a dog in a bloody body. Oh, come on. Yeah, dude, that's, and that's like the shittiest, most entitled, like, guys, I couldn't, there's only one way I could have possibly done this, and it's if I was physically strong enough to do it. There's no other way to kill somebody. I certainly don't have a live-in weird, like, houseboy guy who never leaves yeah. who wouldn't be able to help me. Like, that's just... It's so weird to start there. That's yeah. like the fifth excuse. And that's where she started. Well, then there wasn't like, like, no, I have an alibi, or no, I wouldn't do that. It was like, I oh, my arthritis. hands aren't good enough. Well, so the investigator then goes, oh, so your arthritis is what stopped you from killing him? <laughs> and she quickly goes, no, 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 no. It's just, it's not my nature. I, it's not my nature. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> Okay, I have friend. lover's hands. I have, I have lover's, lover's arthritis. arthritis. I have lover's arthritis. It's from doing this too much. Um, you just turned your head and totally missed that joke. Uh, but um, I'm not retelling it. It's funnier if you didn't see. I'll see it when I edit it. So you're going to text me and you're going to be like, that was funny. Uh, so she's number one suspect to the point where they even try to convict her and Owen. So they, they pull her and Owen in. They interview him. They keep interviewing him, and the reason Owen also gets wrapped into being a suspect with this investigation is for really interesting, like, get caught doing the dumbest thing. <laughs> so on dusk of December 16th, 2017, a message popped up on Owen's computer screen from a virus detector. So you know who killed this guy? Pat McAfee killed this man. No, um, with uh, but Pat McAfee didn't kill himself. Yes, he did not, but he killed Patty. Um, Patty McAfee, they're the same person. Patty McAfee. Patty Maybe the, is there like a is there yeah is there like a generations uh, old feud between the Moriartys and the McAfees? <laughs> they killed each other. Yeah. Um, but no, so this pop-up comes up and is like, you have a virus. And a naked lady dances in the background <laughs> that he definitely got the virus from. And he's like, oh, well, they gave me a phone number. So he gets up. He doesn't have a phone. He does have a laptop that has the virus. So he tries to Skype the number, <laughs> like Skype call it, and it doesn't go through. But he thinks, hey, there's that payphone right across the street, right in front of Patty's house. Let me just go call the number, jots it down. Switch angles to the Pink Panther, 6.30, same time. Patty is getting up, finishes uh, his chicken, bags it up, decides to put on his hat, walk home, gets uh, the traveling family that offers him the chicken. He, he accepts it and starts heading home on his quad bike with Kelly on the back, also at 6.30. They're crossing paths. Uh, Owens looks outside, goes to the payphone, makes two calls to the virus hotline and those come with timestamps because they're to a corporation and they're from a public yeah, payphone. It was on a payphone. The calls were made at 6.30 and 6.31. This payphone is right across the street from Patty's house and 6.30, roughly 6.30 is when he left the bar. So by the time he gets down the street, he's done with his second call with this virus hotline that's not fucking working and he's all pissed off. Mm-hmm. Mr. Reclusive Fran's new man. Fran yep. who says all the time, I'm going to fucking kill that guy. That's very good. That is very, very uh, convincing evidence. It's circumstantial. So it's he, there's, there's all that. They bring him in. The trial goes on for a couple months, but they finally drop all charges. The same thing with the, 
the restraining order happens with this case, there's just no evidence. Yeah, it took too long. It's too far away. Like, we like to watch CSI. Well, I don't, but, you know, like, yeah. in general, TV police procedurals, hopefully, you know, over the last year, people learned that the portrayal of police is very inaccurate. But it is of catching criminals as well. I hate to break it to you guys, but police don't show up when crimes are happening or right before they happen. They show up long after they've happened. And in cases like this, sometimes days after they've happened, which means that there's not exactly a rife crime scene with photos being taken. There's just no fucking evidence. There's mm -hmm. nothing to really go after. And the unfortunate truth is that in places like this, you are vulnerable to being killed or disappeared without anybody knowing. It's, you know, we talked about the Alaskan Triangle early on and all the people that go missing up there. And unfortunately, a lot of the people who go missing up there are just people who get assaulted or people who get murdered and... There's just not the time, the effort, the resources, the evidence to look into the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's grim, but it's true. Uh, while Fran was on the stand, some interesting things came to light. One of those being uh, Bobby Roth, the one-time dishwasher. When she took the stand, uh, she said that days prior, Fran had given her $30,000. That's Australian dollars. That's about $22,000 U.S. dollars to hold for her um, and told her to hide it from Bill. Uh, Billy like can and had it arranged for the money to be picked up in the next couple of days, but something must have changed because she never came to get it. During the search of Fran's property, the police also found 7,000 Australian dollars, about 5,200 US dollars, in a plastic bag inside Fran's freezer. Yeah, why? Why does yeah. she have a plastic bag of money? Uh, and they were wondering, like... She's a fucking 60-year-old woman. Yeah, why does she have all that money? Many questions got thrown every way. Of course, the how many times have you... Threatened to kill him. Why Why did you kill him? You can't ask that. But um, She's like, I'm just tired of this. It's There's been police harassment, media harassment. Uh, her incinerators were checked. Her septic tanks were checked, like we said. No one's coming to her shop. And when they do, they just stop in and call her a murderer and leave. <laughs> Basically, everything that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic with yeah. Carol Baskins and yeah. Tiger King yeah. is happening to this poor old lady. This poor old lady. Yeah. How no. dare you? Uh, she said that she's being abused and accused and blackmailed. Um, she did have some health issues as well that kind of exonerated her. She did have breast cancer. Um, that has now come and gone. She's in remission. Luckily, she's still alive. She's out there. You can go meet her. Um, but this case, everything pointed at her and Owen. Because it does. Because if it wasn't... Yeah. I mean, so brass tacks here. If... Obviously, we can't legally say anything, allegedly, and what we think is the case, but nobody did anything. Yeah, man, I don't think Fran, I don't think Fran pulled the trigger, but I think she put Owen up to it. I think they were talking about it. I think that's why the money was around, and I think Owen saw the opportunity and was like, oh, shit, I'm just going to do it right now. Uh, the thing that fully concretes me believing that it was Owen uh, on Fran's accord is not too long after testifying in this court and the uh, case being dropped, he left town completely. There you go. Yep. And this a town that barely knew him. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It honestly kind of feels like the story of him being a retiree and all that is fake. Yeah. She just brought this dude in and was like, take care of him. And then once he did, he got out. Uh, it's a it's a sad tale, for sure. The, I mean, honestly, more than anything, it's I feel for that dog. <laughs> this poor dog. Um, but that's the thing that really makes it feel like it was probably a murder. Yes. Now... 
the fun inside of me hopes that, you know, this is the Azicat Spirit Hour, so I yeah. hope he got abducted by aliens, yeah. or he walked through a fucking portal, or, uh, I don't think it was a sinkhole, don't think that was possible, but I sincerely hope that, you know, maybe he got zip-zapped to another dimension, or yeah. something happened, but it's hard to assume that anything did. I mean, I hope years from now we find out that he was like, uh, you know, there's a, I can't remember the man's name, but there's a famous case of a guy in Australia who was shipwrecked and then lived with um, the indigenous people for... 30 years or mm-hmm. something um, and it would be interesting to see if he's out there living his life but I mean he's old he he did have a heart condition and pretty much everybody in town he's so four years later still has there's not really been any progress on the case um, it's you know it's a closed case now um, but he hasn't shown up there's been no indication of anything that happened to him so my guess is yeah somebody iced him and put him away and made sure you couldn't find him uh, the police did just renew uh, their offer uh, for information in February of this yeah. year they're now offering uh, 25 or er, $250,000 for information regarding either an arrest or finding his remains um, no one in the town has said anything Barry the bar owner he still fully believes it's a murder. Uh, he said it's shocking to him that no one's figured it out by now. Yeah. And the police, uh, with their up in the reward, also said if any of the townsfolk come forward with finding his remains or saying who did it, uh, they're eligible for immunity. And while well, Owen's gone and Fran's not coming forward. Yeah. And I don't think anybody else knows. Yeah, so I think it's just... A mystery lost to time. What yeah, this man? I, I think Fran and Owen will probably get to outlive their crime. Yeah, you know. I, mean, I think the case and the town will die with the people that's in it. Yeah. So, it, closing notes: If you got time and you're in Northern Australia, I know they're all on lockdown right now. Yeah. Go on up to uh, Limera and see the last of the the Lyricans and and say hello Ulirama. I did it wrong right again at the end well thank you guys I hope you enjoyed that case I think it's a fascinating one let us know what you think happened in the comments yeah uh, I mean I'm, I think it was Fran and Owen I do uh, too I like I said I wish I could come up with a goofy time traveling alien conspiracy for this one but this one just feels like a straight up case of a really brutal little town occupied entirely by the meanest old Australians that exist but a cantankerous little place man yeah I wish there was somebody there just documenting the day-to-day life of this town because it's got to just be insane that what what it's like at the pink panther well well uh, hope you guys enjoyed it before we close out i'm not going to forget this week <laughs> caleb's got a riddle for you he's yes. also got the answer for last week so along with what you think happened to uh patty let us know what you think the the answer to the riddle is so last week's riddle was what has many keys but can't even open a single door it's a piano they got Eight, tons of keys 88 of them in fact um this week's is what comes once in a minute Twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years. No comment. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Oh, my glasses have been here the whole time. <laughs> That's frustrating, if I'm honest. Where'd they come from? They just poofed out of my head.